Hey, Preston here, and welcome to the Pomsky 101 podcast, the official podcast of the Pomsky Owners Association, a leading authority for the Pomsky dog breed. Our community of Pomsky breeders and owners is dedicated to first helping you find the perfect Pomsky through a reputable breeder, and second, helping you raise and train the perfect Pomsky. So today we have Stephanie Elliott from Platinum Pomskis out of Arizona. Really excited to have you on the podcast today, Stephanie, and gather as much of your expertise about Pomsky genetics as possible. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Um, you hear my parakeet over here speaking to us in the background. So if that is uh, continuous, just understand it's a bird. <laughs> so no problem. I, I, I like the animal noises in the background. We'll, <laughs> we'll edit as much as we can, but I also like it. Awesome. Super excited to be here today and speaking on genetics and all things Pomskis. Awesome. So you got into Pomsky breeding during the, like the hype of 2014. How was that? Um, it was good. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we couldn't keep up with the, the demand at that time. The market was completely different. The knowledge, the genetics, the education was not where it is now. So I've been able to really um witness you know such growth for our community um not one just from breeders but also the dog standards um health uh genetics all things you know marketing um it's the whole the whole culture of our community has changed so um it's it's been interesting to be along for this ride (laughs) so yeah, crazy how, how quickly things change, right? So in all of this, genetics is so important to understand and track, uh, especially with like new breeds and with a breed that has lots of small pop-up breeders. So what percentage of breeders and owners would you say care about Pomsky genetics like they should? Breeders, I would say we're on the right track. <laughs> um, I would say probably about 80% of Pomsky breeders um, in general that I'm talking about um, use, you know, Embark and Genetic. uh, Embark is the big one for Pomsky community, but um, there also is Wisdom Panel, there's UC Davis, there's a bunch of different uh, genetic companies out there. I'll probably reference Embark the most because it's most relevant in our community. So yeah. um, And, and I'll just add for our listeners, Stephanie is she's on the board for remind me. It's like um, Embark just launched a advisory board for breeders. Um, Pretty much. It's just helping Embark cater to the breeder community. Uh, Main reason that is uh, relevant is because um, Embark's DNA is pretty much sold to the client or the consumer, the mixed breed dog that's trying to identify their breed itself. And um, us breeders using it on our dogs helps give them more knowledge and more database for their consumers pretty much. So um, they have built a team now through Embark that's seven, it's, it's seven seats that are on the board. It's um, I believe it's a six to 12 month program right now. They're just test trialing it. Um, but I did uh, get a, a spot on that. I'm one of two designer breeders on that um, advisory board. So really cool. Okay. So before we dive into a lot of the common questions we get, why should owners, Pomsky owners and shoppers care about genetics? Well, that's a long list of reasons, but I'll sum it up for you guys. Um, So um, Embark won 
can give you breed DNA. So that is important one, because obviously there's a huge amount of scammers out there. So not only are there people selling dogs they don't have and just taking people's money, but there's also people selling Huskies, you know, as Pomskis and they'll let those puppies go at like, you know, four to six weeks old, which is against the law on tons of reasons why you shouldn't do that, but they're doing it. So to know why your Pomsky, you know, got 50 pounds and looks like a Husky, you would send in an Embark kit or any type of DNA kit that can do breed testing. So I've had many clients come to me and say that, you know, my dog's 55 pounds and I'm, I look at it and it looks clearly like a Husky. I tell them to do an Embark test. They send it in and it is hundred percent Husky. Now, not always Pomsky's could be any size, but uh, sometimes, you know, they got sold a, a Husky instead of a Pomsky and the genetic test can explain that. So. Yeah. So shoppers, they need to know what they're getting when they buy. Right. Um, super important, which we can get into here in a little bit of like what, what to ask breeders. Uh, we talked about this in a podcast with Zadie. She was on a podcast, talked about the importance of, of getting these DNA results and bark testing from breeders. But first, what let's just start with like, what are Pomsky, what are Pomskis from a genetics perspective? I mean, we know they're Huskies and Pomeranians, but talk more about just the genetics of a Pomsky. Um, so the genetics, uh, I mean, for depending on an F1 or what you're, per, you know, what you're purchasing. So an F1 is going to show up on a DNA results as a 50% Husky and 50% Pomeranian. That is the genetic makeup of an F1. If it came from a pure Husky and a pure Pomeranian, we have hundred percent Pomsky. That's an F1. It's 50, 50. Now you get into F2s and F3s, they can pull 50% DNA from each side um, or they can pull a little more, or a little less. So you'll, you won't get that 50, 50 split when you get to an F2 or F3. Um, you can have a F3 that's, you know, 75 or 80% Husky, but it's still only 14 pounds. It's, it's common because they're pulling the genetics from each parent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And what about other breeds that creep into the Pomsky breed? Okay, so this is like I like I was uh, touching base with a couple other people on this. Um, us breeders actually really pushed for Embark. Um, it was the most accurate uh, testing for breed DNA. Um, so when we first started doing this in 2017 or 16, I think it was when Embark rolled out. Um, if you got a dog in our breeding program that we Embark tested and it came back as you know, Husky and Pomeranian, but 10% Alaskan Klikai, we would wash that dog from our program because it's not a true Pomsky. It's partially part Alaskan Klikai. So as I've been working with Embark for a while now, and we've all seen these sporadic pop-ups, um, for instance, I have a fourth generation of my lines all three generations previous were Husky and Pomeranian only. And now the fourth generation out of my lines is showing 10% Alaskan Klikai. So I approached Embark about this and I said, well, how could that possibly be? The yeah. past three generations were, you know, Pomeranian and Husky only. This puppy is showing, you know, Alaskan Klikai. And they explained to me that the makeup of Alaskan Klikai also is the same makeup as a Pomsky, they both have Siberian Huskies. So the genetic 
coding in their system is registering with more of an Alaskan Klikai than a Siberian Husky or a Pomeranian. Um, and they, they highly suggested we no longer wash our dogs from our program because of a small minimal amount of DNA that's registering with another breed as long as that breed falls within our breed category of the splits or yeah, in yeah. the same category. That was Obviously, my next question. What what are the categories? You have the Alaskan clique. I, I've heard of, you know. Um, there's actually, uh, if you look into the makeup of a Siberian Husky, there's there's many dogs that go into a Siberian Husky or a Pomeranian. I don't off the top of my head have all of those um, available. But for instance, I could tell you like a Chihuahua is not going to be a part of a makeup in a Pomsky. So if there's a Chihuahua or if there's, you know, a greyhound or something popping up in there, then there's probably some mixed lines coming around from somewhere else, you know, but um, I know there's a lot, uh, Malamute is in the makeup. We see that a lot in our, in our, you know, breed categories that pulls in Malamute, Alaskan Klikai. I would say Alaskan Klikai and Malamute are probably our top two that we see popping up into our genetic lines. Um, besides Pomeranian and Husky. So, so at what point does it not become a Pomsky? Let's, let's say some of that Alaskan Klikai pops up. Is there a certain percentage that at some point it's questionable? Is this actually a Pomsky, right? So I personally think previously before we've, I've, we've dived in with Embark and we're, we're using the community to pull this together with the American Pomsky Kennel Club um, and, and rallying all those members up to see if they're actually gonna vote this in um, because from a genetic standpoint, it doesn't make sense to wash a dog that has you know, something like this popping up. It is just DNA. I mean, at the end of the day, back in the day when you bred a dog, you bred for looks and the standards. So this is a DNA. This is, this is not really necessarily changing the look of your dog, you know? Um, but I would say I would feel comfortable saying under 12%. Once you get into the 25%, if it's popping up into that, that's a quarter of what the dog is. You know what I mean? So it's, for me, it would be a 12, I personally would call a 12% call would still be a Pomsky, but, um, that's something that that needs to be really voted on by the breeders in the community. Got it. So you personally, though, you like to see at least 75% of Husky Pomeranian. Yeah. So in AKC, which is where, you know, you, you get your Labradors or your, you know, your purebred dogs, if it's 75%, then it's considered an A. It still can be registered as an AKC dog. On uh, yeah. Yeah. But that following 25% still should be within this family of Siberian. Correct. Yes. It's, you don't want it to be, you know, a, a Rottweiler. Yeah. A Dalmatian <laughs> popping in there. Yes. Like, yes. Cause know, then it messes dog. with all your genetics and everything as well. So, yeah. Hey, Preston here with a little aside, if you've made it this far, you are probably serious about either one finding the perfect Pomsky or two raising and training the perfect Pomsky. We have people like you joining our Pomsky Owners Association every day. So if you'd like more resources and benefits in your quest to find, raise, and train the perfect Pomsky, you can head over to pomskyownersassociation.com. From available Pomsky listings uh, across the country to buying checklists to training resources and much more, we really are dedicated to continuously helping you find and train the perfect Pomsky. And now let's get back to the episode. So what impact does all this have on the actual breed and the dog breed? Like 
when a potential shopper gets a genetic test back and they see Dalmatian in it, or an owner does that, does an Embark test and they see that, what's the problem? Like, um, you know, what, what impact does it actually have? Um, so person, I mean, most of this is opinion, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, I mean, as a consumer myself, when I first purchased my palm ski back in the day, um, we didn't have Embark, so it really didn't make a difference what the DNA was. You know what I mean? It's yeah. this is the dog. This is the look I wanted. This is the structure I wanted. This is the breeder I trusted to buy the dog from. And this is what I bought. Now, everything is, is populated mainly because of us breeders have pushed for DNA and genetic testing so much. Now, it's common for a client to ask about the DNA and to be sure that it's, you know, this generation with this makeup. But at the end of the day... Even when I get a client that is scammed and got a dog with part Dalmatian in it, I mean, I try to like ease their anxiety a little bit by saying, did you purchase this dog because you loved this dog's look? Did you purchase? The dog is still the same. The blood inside the dog is different. You know what I mean? So it's, it really comes down to figuring that out. Now, obviously, if you're paying $5,000 for a dog or $3,000 for a dog, you want the person to be honest. So when you go to a reputable breeder, the main reason we're doing the DNA for us as breeders is to make sure that the health of the dog is clear. Yeah. So not necessarily, we, we usually most breeders buy from reputable breeders. So we know that the lines are coming from a great, you know, great uh, lineage, but um, our biggest concern is traits to try to produce what our kennel is, you know, most driven to produce. For me, it's black and whites with blue eyes. So that's my most popular. That's what my kennel is known for. That's Embark gives me that DNA to see that we get that the most often. Yeah. Um, it also gives me the DNA to make sure that there's no health issues within them. Right, right. So, so every breeder, if someone wants to get into breeding, make sure you're doing palm ski or genetic testing, right? Absolutely. To keep, to keep the breed pure. To, for the health of the dogs, like all the above that you've mentioned, they need to be doing genetic testing. Yeah. So genetic testing really covers. So what you get with an Embark test, and like I said, there's all sorts of different genetic tests in the Pomsky community together. We really have all pretty much went to Embark because it does it all in one category, but you could go to UC Davis, Wisdom, any of these other companies. This just gives you the breed. It gives you the health traits. Um, and then it gives you the, you know, the coat color and stuff like that. So it's cool. really everything in one package. Um, Embark runs around $889, I believe. Um, it's a quick swab in the mouth and then you send it into a lab and about six weeks later, you get your results. So, nice. Nice. um, totally gives you, gives the buyer, even if, even for a client, it's a lot of our clients actually, you know, the consumer purchases an Embark once they get the dog home and they want to see how much, you know, Husky did my dog pull or how much Pomeranian did it pull? And, you know, is it healthy? Does it show any genetic issues? So those are they, all things that the consumer can do. Right. And they should be asking you for the, the Embark results for the parents. Correct. Um, I mean, at almost, I would say almost every reputable breeder at this point does have an embark done on all, all parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very, very far from few that don't do embark because it does provide so much information to us. 
So then they have a general idea. Okay, I'm mixing this mom and this dad, siren dam. They know generally what kind of health and the potential colors and and different things they'll get. And then they can do their own testing after to really finalize the results for their specific dog. Correct. So, I mean, just offhand, if you're doing, you know, so say I'm, I'm a consumer, I'm going to go purchase a dog. I'm, you know, I call up the breeder. I am interested in this puppy. Can I see the parents and bark results on, on each parent? Then what, as a consumer, do I look for, you know what I mean? On that embark result. So, um, the first thing that I would look for as a consumer is make sure that if they are a Merle, which a Merle is the pattern, which is, you know, spotted, some people call it cow look, or, you know, it's just a a spotting on the coat. Um, you want to make sure that there's no, there's not, both parents do not carry Merle. If two parents carry Merle, then we get the deaf, the blind, the double Merle dogs completely unethical. So that's always the first thing I tell, um, you know, if they are purchasing a Merle dog, really no ethical breeder would ever breed two Merle dogs. So it shouldn't be seen often. Uh, but the Merle you want to check for, and then I would say, um, go into the health, the health, um, area of each, um, embark and look at what the parents carry. So in order to, this is, there's a lot of confusion on this subject. Um, you know, for health genetics, if it is a carrier of a genetic disease, so say for instance, you get a puppy, the mom is a carrier of DM, but the dad does not carry it. And your puppy is a carrier of DM. That does not mean your dog is at risk. It just means it carries a copy of DM. You can, you should avoid breeding a carrier to a carrier because if that puppy gets both, you know, both genetics, then we're in trouble because that dog is now at risk for that genetic issue. So a puppy or a parent can absolutely be a carrier. I I myself have dogs in my program that are a carrier of genetic issues. A breeder is just responsible to make sure that that dog that carries that genetic issue does not get bred to another dog with the same genetic issue. Got it. So a carrier though, just to clarify for shoppers and owners, if one of the parents carries, is there a chance that their dog has that health issue if if the if the dog they buy also carries no so when, when yeah. you say carry it just means they don't it doesn't show through it just they're a carrier so a gene so for instance i mean there's so many different I, there's about 15 that pop 15 genetic issues in the pomeranian and husky genetics that we can identify yeah. so this is also another i'll touch base on this after but um a carrier means that it's a recessive issue that is carried in their genetics pool but it is not visual so it's not a it's not something you're going to see that actually affects the dog because it's only carrying the recessive gene now if that dog had two genes then it could be a problem at risk so it could it could have that issue back back Uh to sixth grade biology right yeah, that, <laughs> and that yeah. was so recessive. Well, carrier. was never my 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 forte. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> so carrier just means they have the recessive gene. It's not going to yes. come through. But you have two parents that are carriers. Problem. Yes, if they carry the same genetic issue. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. um, to touch base a little bit more on the health, I will uh, also tell a story about my own experience that um, came back and kind of bit me. Um, I personally guaranteed that my dogs were clear of 216 genetic issues, which is, you know, what Embark is now 
uh, advertising, right? So yeah. um, 216 things sounds great, but if you actually get into each one of these variants and you click on the variant, it'll say what breed they found that variant in. So there is only about 15 breed relevant issues in the Palmski right now that they've identified. So for me at one point, um, I, you know, put a, I published publicly said that my dogs were cleared of 216 genetic issues, which they are, but 200 of those issues are in breeds that are not relevant to my, yeah. my dog. Um, one of those breed, one of those issues was, uh, juvenile cataracts. So in my report, it says juvenile cataracts cleared. So I, you know, guaranteed my dogs would not have juvenile cataract issues. Um, that actual test itself was on an Australian shepherd. So it was not cleared in the Pomeranian or Husky variant. They had not identified that yet. Embark mm. had not. Okay. So I had a litter of puppies and two of my puppies at about a year old got juvenile cataracts. I went back to Embark, explain this please, because it says right here, clear. Well, if you click on that little link, that's where it actually shows that it's only cleared for Australian shepherds. So they're still working on that variant for the Husky. So got it, got it. For the Pomeranians. So just because we say that this dog is clear of these issues doesn't mean that there's another issue that science has not yet found. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so Embark has found 15 issues with the Pomsky breed, but there, there could be not identified with the Pomsky because we're actually considered a mixed breed, but there's yeah. like six with the Husky and like eight with the Pomeranian. So Got combined, it. it comes to, I think it's like 15 or 16, somewhere around there that are breed relevant issues. Got it. So, Fascinating. Um, How does that compare to other mixes or other breeds is um, it's a pretty, pretty substantial, um, they're still working for instance, that, that juvenile cataracts, right? So I'm working with embark to get them the tree built from my own lines that had that genetic issue pop up because it was a recessive gene, both mom and dad did not have eye, visible eye issues, but yeah. clearly when we bred them together, there was an issue. So both mom and dad are retired. But we send in all those swabs and now Embark can take those swabs, dive into the genetics and hopefully figure out that variant for the Husky based right. on my genetic makeup. You know what I mean? So um, I would say it just depends on, on each breed. I mean, if you look at a French Bulldog, I think they have 10, um, you know, some, some of the genetic, uh, some dogs, uh, one of the other breed advisory board members for Embark said that they only had two identified for her breed because there's not very many dogs. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So the more testing we do, the more we're going to find, you know what I mean? So, yeah. okay. So bottom line is clients, your clients, shoppers and owners, they should make sure there's not two Merle's in the parents and then make yeah. sure that there's not two carrier of the same uh, health issue in both of the parents. Are those Correct. the two, is there anything else they should be looking for on the tests? Um, I mean, genetics, I mean, it really depends on, on how far they want to go into it. You know what I mean? You could, yeah. I mean, I personally now like geek out on the, you know, the traits, you know, and I like to see, wow, this dog carries double blue eye gene or this dog carries, you know, no cream, but really from a consumer's purpose, the main things are going to be the health of the dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. So look at those health traits, look at the health genetics, 
as long as both parents aren't carrying the same genetic recessive gene, you're, you should be cleared from what we can test for. And then the double merle thing is really, it is a minimal issue because most breeders aren't doing that. So most knowledgeable, reputable breeders that are doing Embark would not, not do bring that. Two, two, two merles. But I've seen a couple litters of double merle. Most of them are from somebody that bought two dogs from a breeder, didn't realize, you know, their heat can happen or first heat and, you know, brother and sister merles mate, some crazy situations like that, you know, but it's not, not something that happens often, thankfully. Got it. Well, this has been super informational, lots of good stuff that I could follow up on. We could write content or blog articles about anything else you want to mention. Um, I guess I would say, you know, genetic testing is just one step of, you know, the bigger picture on getting the breed to where we need it to go. There's so many other things on top of genetic testing that help a breeder, you know, with with structure, with OFA, check, you know, routine vet exams to make sure patellas are, are good. Um, so genetics, this is just a, just a print up, you know, to give you a visual of, of what you can see on a swab, but in reality, like the vet checks, the routine vet checks for different, you know, hips and, and patellas and eyes, that's all important too. So it's not all just based on, you know, just the embark or the wisdom. It's really getting to know your breeder and making sure that the breeder themselves is knowledgeable. Yeah. So just one piece of the puzzle or one piece of the picture. Um, Zadie did an awesome job a couple of weeks ago talking about all the things to ask breeders how to find the right breeder. Um, and this is just one of those aspects that we wanted to dive in further today. So this has been awesome. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> um, I also like to do a quick one minute speed round of questions. Are you good with that? Sure, let's try it. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite type of Pomsky? Talk, you kind of talked about this in the genetics, but like color, generation, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm most known for the black and white blue eyes. Um, I like standard size, about 25 pounds is what I typically breed for. It's my my, cool. my favorite. Nice. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite attribute of the Pomsky breed? I would say they're crazy personality. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're just, you know, they're wild, they're fun, they're a lot of energy, kind of like me. Cool. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you'd give to every Pomsky owner? preparation, you know what I mean? And consistency. Yeah. So I get so many breeders that are clients that, you know, want their dog to, you know, be come out the door trained and it's just not going to happen eight weeks. So it's all about consistency. So. Yeah. And who is someone you really look up to in the Pomsky community? Could be someone, you know, personally, someone online, uh, anybody. Um, I would say Rachel, Rachel with Golden State Pomskys. Um, I actually mentored her up a lot and she shot off the books super well and she's phenomenal at marketing and she does great job with her puppies and um, I love watching her success. Cool. Yeah, it's fun to see like the breeders, you know, as you become successful, how you mentor other breeders, work together. Uh, it's just fun to watch. So, yeah, I have, a, I mean, I can list off about 10 of them, but I, I mean, you know, <laughs> so how long do I want this to go on? <laughs> so cool. uh, Mary Fraley was another one that helped mentor me and helped me a lot. So she was, she's a great breeder too. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for joining again. And uh, we'll have to have you back on another podcast. Get more wisdom. Yeah, would love to. Hey, thanks for making it to the end of this episode. We hope you got a lot of valuable information that you can apply. We know if you made it this far that you're really serious about finding and or training and raising the perfect Pomsky. And we are here to help. Go ahead and head over to our website, pomskyownersassociation.com where you will find lots of valuable resources directly from our breeders and owners of the association, all vetted and reputable. If you have any questions, uh, just let us know and know that we are always here to help you find, raise, and train the perfect Pomsky. Have a good day.